You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, this is part five in our series called Life or Death, and we're talking about the power of our words. And uh, my intention was for this week to be the conclusion, um, but I began to see some things as I was studying for today, and uh, it might not be the conclusion. We might have one one more week we need to squeeze out of this and and, uh, some more that the Lord wants us to see. And uh, so let's just dive right into this. Let's look at our foundation scripture found in Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21 in the easy to read version. And it says this, your words, say this, may my words can be as satisfying as fruit, as pleasing as the food that fills your stomach. It says the tongue can speak words that bring life or death. Those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. You know, you'll find, there's one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Proverbs 27. I think it's towards the end of the chapter. <clears throat> and it says this, and this just popped into my mind as I was reading that, that even, um, even an unwise person can be considered wise when they learn how to shut their mouth, is basically what it says. And so what that means is, You learn to use your words on purpose. You learn to not just ramble on and talk unnecessarily because as this verse says, those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. So, uh, you know, you just have to weigh it all. So let's look at three things that we looked at last week and we've been covering for the previous uh, lessons and that is this. Here's the first one. Uh, the tongue can speak words of life or death. The choice is ours. So you and I can determine what comes out of our mouths, whether it is life or death. The second thing is this, and this is a hard truth, but it's the truth nonetheless, and that is this. Where your life is today is a result of what you believed and said yesterday. So, and that brings us to the third point, and that is this. If you want to change the direction of your life, if you don't like where your life is today, here's the good news. For us as believers, we can make a change. We can uh, change the direction of our life, and if we want to do that, we do it by changing our words. So if you want to change the direction of your life, start by changing your words. You know, we're coming up on a time when uh, at the end of the year, you know, everybody makes New Year's resolutions. Anybody here ever made a New Year's resolution? Okay, anybody in here not followed through with your New Year's resolution? Okay, I'll keep, I'll put my hand up on that one. Well, the problem sometimes is this. What we have a tendency to do is address stuff out here or want to change stuff out here without changing something in here and changing something here. So my advice, my counsel to you based on the word is, is if you want to make some changes out here, that's great, but start with what's in your heart and what's coming out of your mouth. Amen. All right. Now, what I wanted to do today and what I believe the Lord led me uh, to go in this direction is we want to spend this week and probably next week talking about praise and worship. 
because praise and worship is comprised of your words, okay? Now, there's other things that we can do as acts of worship that maybe don't require us to say anything, but primarily, if you're going to be involved in praise and worship, you're going to have to use your words. And so we're going to talk about that today. So here, let's get in. Let's just go ahead and dive in and define what is praise. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Praise, if you look it up in the dictionary, it means this, to commend someone. So praise is we commend someone. And this word commend means that we entrust ourselves to God's care and we recommend that others do the same. Okay, now, as a pastor, occasionally, it's been a while since I've been asked to do this, but occasionally, uh, as a pastor, I get asked if somebody is maybe going to college or, or doing something in their life, they need a letter of what? Recommendation, okay? So guess what the root word of that word recommendation is? It is the word commend, Okay, so what that says, what I'm doing when I write that letter, I'm telling someone that I trust this person, I approve of this person, and, and you can too, okay? You can put your trust, you can put your reliance on this person as well. And so when we are praising God, we are commending him. Let, let's look at a couple of scriptures, Psalm chapter 9 and verse 10 says this, those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Here's what David is saying in this psalm. He's saying, hey, listen, guys, I have put my trust in God, and guess what? You can do the same thing. So when we tell somebody, hey, God sure has been good to me, he's been faithful, and I know he'll be good and faithful to you, we are commending God, and then we're recommending him to someone else. Okay, let's look at another verse. Psalm 16, verse 1, God, uh, the scripture says this, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Okay, so what we're doing is we're commending God and telling him, Lord, I'm putting my trust and my confidence in you. I am leaning entirely on you because in you I can take refuge. Now, when we are speaking and confessing God's word over our lives, when we, you know, in your devotion time or whenever you're, you do it, um, you know, and you lift your voice and you say, Father, I thank you that you are good, that you are my source, my supply, my healer, my provider, my protector, all of those things, you are commending God for who he is, okay? So that's what part of praise is, is to commend someone. Now here's the next thing in part of praise is we express approval or favor on someone, we express approval or favor on someone. Do you approve of God today? Okay, I hope so. I hope you're, you know, you're sitting here in church because you approve of God. Well, the, the, the basic to approve of somebody means this, you have a good opinion of him. Now, religion will try and mess that opinion up, but the word, if you take it back to the word, the word will always help you shape a good opinion of God, okay? Praise by approving is thinking about what he has done 
and is doing to win your approval. Do you know God will do that? God doesn't have an attitude. He could, but he doesn't necessarily have an attitude that says, you know what? I'm God. I'm the most high. I am it. And if you like me, great. If you don't, great. Now, he could have that kind of attitude, but he doesn't. He does everything he can to win the approval of people. You know, that's why he's good to people. That's why he's merciful to people. That's why he leaves it up to us to choose to approve him or not. But what he does is he moves in our lives in order to win our favor and our approval. Let's go and look at a psalm that maybe you're not too familiar with, Psalm 23. Anybody ever read Psalm 23 before? Let's see how David felt about God. Let's see how he, uh, whether he approved of God. So Psalm 23 says this, the Lord is my what? Shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know about you, but when I read that Psalm, I feel like David approves of God. Don't you? Okay. And by the way, this wouldn't be, uh, you know, it wouldn't hurt you to say this over your life as well too and express your approval to God in this way. Now here's the third definition of praise and that is we glorify God. We glorify. Now that's a spiritual Christianese kind of sounding word. And a lot of times we don't understand what that means. When you glorify God, it means you identify the good points of someone. So when you and I glorify God, we're acknowledging who he is, the good points of who he is. In, the, in this type of praise, God is recognized as being good, faithful, righteous, just, merciful, forgiving, his dwelling place, his law, his character, and his actions are described as being perfect and flawless. So when we are acknowledging and glorifying God, and by the way, I want to encourage you to do something. As we get into this, this will make more sense. But I want to encourage you not to fall into a rut and a routine in your praise towards God, in in because uh, sometimes I, I have to examine my own self when I'm praising God, and that is this: it's okay to say, "Father, I glorify you today." Okay, that's great to say that, but follow through and glorify Him. Okay, to in other words, what I want you to do is go beyond just saying, "Father, I glorify you." Why don't you find some good points about him to acknowledge? Okay, you know, you know I, I want to say this to you. The Lord ministered to this to me a long time ago. And that is this, to 
learn how to develop a, a vocabulary of worship and praise. You know, we have a tendency, you know, to fall into this rut. Jesus, I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but praise is what you're doing, okay? It's not exactly what you're expressing. So when we say, Lord, I praise you, okay, um, there's nothing wrong with that. But what are you praising him about? What are you glorifying him for? So what we need to do is we need to maybe dive into the word a little bit and find out some good characteristics about God that we need to acknowledge and that we need to point out. You know, sometimes we need to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. We need to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. Like I said, we need to remind ourselves of he, he's good, he's faithful, he's righteous, he's just, he's merciful, he's forgiving, okay? Let's look at some scriptures. 2 Samuel 22, verse 31, David wrote and he said this, As for God, his way is perfect. When was the last time you told God, Lord, your ways are perfect? There's nothing wrong with anything that you do. There's a scripture in the Psalms that says, that he, he does everything right. You know, God hasn't messed up one time. Not one time. Everything he does is right. And, and, and can I say this to you as well? Um, God is not so insecure that he needs you to pump him up all the time. I'm going to tell you in just a minute what this does, and, and by the way, your praise and worship does more for you than it does for God, but it does move God. Okay, all right, you still here? Okay, so David said, for as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. So, you know, we've got two things. God, you're perfect. There's nothing, there's no flaw about you whatsoever. You are perfect in all your ways. You are right in everything you do. Everything you say is right. Everything you do is right. And then you're a shield and a protector. You know, David did this real effectively in the 103rd Psalm. This is one of my favorite Psalms. Let's read the first five verses of Psalm 103. And it says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You, you know, there's a mouthful right there in, in this first verse. What do I mean by that? Sometimes you're going to have to tell yourself to bless the Lord. Now, instead of all the time crying out and asking God to bless you, why don't you take some time and bless him? Okay, what is it? Think about in our own lives for just a moment. When, when, when it says that Christ in Galatians 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. So we're the first ones, and nothing wrong with this, first ones to declare, I am blessed. What does that mean, I am blessed? And is it the same thing is when David wrote and he said, bless the Lord, O my soul. 
Well, here's what a blessing is. A blessing is when you declare something good over someone. In other words, a blessing is words spoken. Okay? So when we are receiving the blessing of God on our lives, what we're receiving are the words that God has declared over our lives. Now, God's words contain power. And when we receive his blessing, there's an empowerment that comes with it. Now, here's what I want you to see. It's, it's possible for you to bless another person. Now, I don't mean just give them money. You know, that's what we call blessing somebody or doing something for them. And that's, that's fine, and that could be a blessing. But if you really want to bless someone, look them right in the eye and tell them something good about them that they need to hear. That is what a blessing is. So David said this, hey, soul, we're going to bless the Lord. We're going to say some good stuff to God right now about who he is. And not only, I'm not going to do it halfway either. He says, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. When was the last time you said, you know what? I don't necessarily feel like blessing the Lord right now, but I'm going to talk to myself and I'm going to say, self, we're going to bless the Lord right now and we're going to do it with every fiber of our being. Amen? So he goes on to say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now here's a good way to bless God acknowledge the benefits that he has given to you. So David goes on to say, he forgives all, say all, all of your iniquities. He heals all, say all, your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. When was the last time you, re you reached up and straightened up your crown a little bit? because you're crowned with tender, loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That is declaring something good about God. So when we bless the Lord, here's how that looks. Father, I just want to take some time this morning and I want to bless you. I want to thank you for all the benefits that you've poured into my life. Father, I thank you that you forgive all of my sins and all of my iniquities. Father, I thank you that you heal all of my diseases. Father, I thank you. And if you need to get the helper, the book out, read it. That, that you've redeemed my life from destruction. You crown me with loving kindness and tender mercies. See, what you need to understand is, is that is blessing the heart of God. Now, in essence, praise that glorifies, and this goes hand in hand with commend, is like writing that letter of recommendation, except you're writing it to the Lord. You're not writing it to someone else uh, it, about God. You're writing it to God, expressing to him who he is and who he is in your life. As we honor God for who he is and what he has done in our lives, listen, we make room for him to work for us and in us every day. 
Um, let me ask you a question. Okay. How many of you are more inclined to respond positively to someone who talks good about you? I, I, I am. How many of you are less inclined to do something good or work on somebody's behalf who talks negatively about you? Okay. We don't want to do anything for those people. You know, we have a hard enough time just loving them and forgiving them, much less trying to do them good. All right. See, what you do when you bless the Lord, when you glorify him, when you lift up who he is, it does something in his heart and causes him to want to be good to you. Now, he's good anyway, but it causes, just like you, it causes him to want to be good to you because you appreciate who he is. Amen. Okay, now, write this down. Praise is an act of faith. Now, I want to park here for just a, a little bit. Praise is an act of faith. It is an act of reverence. Now, let me talk about the reverence piece first, and then we'll talk about the faith part. Um, if you want to get somewhere with God, express reverence towards him. Now, what does that mean? When you revere God, you know, a lot of times we'll see it in the Bible where it's, it's called fear. The Proverbs, all throughout Proverbs says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Well, that's fear. Fearing the Lord is not the same thing as being afraid of God. Okay. Fearing God and the word, the, the word fear actually should be accurately translated, revere him. What does that mean? You acknowledge <laughs> he's bigger than you, smarter than you, greater than you, more powerful than you. He is the creator of the universe. Matter of fact, there's nobody greater than he is, nobody more magnificent than he. It, it, it is everything that he is in making him God. So when you revere God, you acknowledge who he is in his greatness as God, okay? Now, I, I want to say this, all right? We need to be very mindful, and listen, I, I am big, a big proponent, I haven't always been, but a big proponent, okay, of dressing casually for church, being casual in church, now, you can dress however you want to, as modestly, of course, but, you know, you can wear uh, a suit if you want to, or you don't have to wear a suit. Now, out of tradition, a lot of time, long time, I struggled with it, okay? If, if People that have been here for a long time will tell you, I struggled with getting out of the tradition of wearing a suit to church, because that's just the way I was brought up, and it was ingrained in me. And, and it was almost built into my psyche that um, it wasn't church unless you dressed up. Anybody else can identify with that? Okay. And so when churches began to become more casual and dressed down, um, you know, it, it was a slow process for me. But as you can obviously see, I don't struggle with that anymore. Okay. Okay. Now, and, and praise God for that. However, 
What we cannot afford to do is in our casualness lose our reverence for God and our reverence for gathering as, as a group of believers uh, and worshiping God. Now, you know, there, somebody says, well, you know, when you gather in God's house, well, the fact of the matter is God's house is wherever we gather. It could be in a gymnasium. It could be in a building that has a steeple and a, a cross on the front of it. It could be anywhere. It could be in your home. It's wherever you gather. But the thing that I want us to be mindful of is understanding that, that we can never get away from our reverence for God. Now, I love our church, and I love the fact that, um, you know, with us doing worship, praise and worship with videos, I understand that is not ideal. I don't like it. I mean, I like it, but it's not where we're going to end up, okay? But the thing I appreciate about you all is you do your best where it doesn't matter, that you're going to enter into worship, whether it's a live band and singers or it's video or whatever's going on. And so what, what we have to do is even though it, we're using those kinds of tools, don't lose your reverence for what you're doing is what I'm trying to get us to see. And you, you guys do an awesome job of that, and I so appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've had somebody... Uh, in the past that no longer attends here that got upset because, uh, you know, we were doing videos and, uh, you know, they felt like it would be a whole lot more authentic, you know, and basically what they were suggesting is, you know, somebody singing and playing a guitar or, you know, and I'm like, that's great for, uh, you know, one service, do a special thing like that or whatever. But week after week after week after week after week, that's going to get old, okay? And there were some other parts and pieces that they weren't taking into consideration either. And here's what they told me. They said, I feel like it would be more authentic if we were doing it live. And my rebuttal to them was, just because you do it live doesn't make it authentic because I've been in plenty of environments where music was played and ministered and performed when it wasn't authentic. So it being live does not make it authentic. What makes it authentic is what is going in in the hearts of the people that are participating. Are, are you following me? So again, that's why I love and appreciate you all so much. You do your best to not let that affect you. Now, what I want to clearly say is I, I, I appreciate the medium that we have to be able to do that, but that's not where we're going to stay. Okay, so we're believing God. We're, we're trusting God to just like he's blessed us with the children's ministry again, we're going to have live worship again. Amen? But, but I guess what I'm trying to say is thank you for sticking with it even in spite of not having what is ideal and choosing to enter into worship nonetheless. Amen? Okay, so... We cannot lose that reverence. Now, let's go back and let's talk about the first part. Praise is an act of faith. Now, how come it's an act of faith? Well, one scripture identifies that for us, and that's John chapter 1 and verse 18. It says this, no one has seen God at any time. Nobody. 
No human being has seen God the Father. We can hear him. We can be, experience his presence. We can experience the Spirit of God. There are plenty of men and women of God who have had legitimate visions of Jesus and all of that, but no one has seen God at any time. All right? So why is worship an act of faith? It's, it's an act of faith because we are praising and worshiping someone we cannot see and have never seen. Now, one day we will see him when we get over there, okay? And, and we have glorified bodies and all of that. But, but my point is this. It is actually, I've heard it said, Brother Hagin said this many times, that praise and worship is the highest kind of prayer. You know why? Because again, we're expressing our love. We're expressing our gratitude. We're expressing our admiration for someone we've never seen and have not seen. That's why it is a huge act of faith. Okay? So, um, here's something else you need to understand about it being an act of faith. When you're worshiping God, you're tapping into that invisible realm where he lives. Okay? Now, not to be too deep and spooky and all of that, but you do need to understand that there is a spiritual realm that we deal with. And that's where God lives. God does not live in the natural. He, Jesus said in John 4 that he is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. Okay, so if we're truly going to worship God, we're going to have to learn how to tap into that realm where he lives. Now, that ought to be easy for us because we are spirit beings. You remember Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians, he said, you, you, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. So you're not a body that just has a soul and a spirit. You are a spirit first who possesses a soul and you live in a body. So what I'm wanting us to see is, is that worship and praise is the vehicle that carries us over even though we're still in the earth, still alive and still in our bodies, it can carry us and transport us over into that unseen realm where God lives so that we can have an encounter with him. Okay? So, um, I want to say this to you. Praise and worship is the atmosphere, the environment and I'll go so far as to say the language of heaven. So, so when you begin to tap into praise and worship, um, you're tapping into that heavenly realm. The, the reason being is because you're making a connection with heaven because you are making up your mind, you're making it a determined purpose that you're going to praise and worship God, and therefore you pick up here in the earth and in your home, your room, your car, wherever it might be, what is actually going on in heaven, and you make a spiritual connection with heaven when you do that. Are you following me? Okay. All right. So let's talk about this for just a moment. 
When do we praise God? When do we praise God? Well, there's four times that you praise God. Okay, write this down, please. Number one, we praise Him in the good times. Okay, you can probably see, figure out where this is going. But you praise Him in the good times. In other words, parenthetically, we praise God when we feel like it. You know, when, when stuff happens, you know, when God comes through and meets a need or, or heals my body or does something for me, I feel like praising God. And that's, you are too, okay? Nothing wrong with that. And, and so, so when are we to praise God? When times are good and we feel like praising Him. Listen, don't let God do something for you and you not acknowledge it and express your gratitude, express your praise and your worship, worship towards Him. I, I love this, 1 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 20. David had a real triumphant moment right here and he, he just stopped and he said this, Oh Lord, there's none like you, nor is there any God beside you according to all that we've heard with our ears. In other words, David had a triumphant moment and he didn't let that moment pass him by when he felt like praising God. He didn't let the moment pass by and not praise God for who he is. Okay? So, number two, when do we praise God? Well, in the bad times. When we don't feel like praising Him. Matter of fact, I'll say this to you. That's the times you really need to praise God. Okay? We praise Him in the bad times. We praise God when we don't feel like it. Now, one of the greatest examples of this is found in Acts, the 16th chapter. And this is an awesome, awesome story. I love this story in the book of Acts. Paul and Silas were out ministering and, and uh, they cast the, the demon. Uh, a little girl was being assigned to uh, tell fortunes for these people and they were making money off of her. She, she had gotten demon possessed and, and uh, could tell things about certain people. And so there were a group of men that were making, using her to make money. So she started following Paul and Silas around declaring, here, these men of God, they're declaring unto you the gospel. And uh, here's the thing that you need to understand. You don't need a demon doing your marketing for you. Okay? You don't need uh, the devil advertising your ministry because there's a wrong motivation behind it. And so the scriptures, depending on the translation that you read, but the scripture says, uh, one translation says, Paul became annoyed by this. So much so, and I believe, of course, he received revelation by the Holy Ghost that he turned and cast the demon out of this little girl. Well, guess what? She couldn't tell fortunes anymore. And so these guys lost their source of income. So what they did is they raised up a big ruckus against Paul and Silas and accused them of a bunch of wrong stuff. And so Paul and Silas got arrested. They got beaten and then put in jail. All right, so we pick up in, in uh, Acts chapter 16, look at verse 25 and 26. It says this, but at midnight. Now, Paul and Silas were in a tough time. Their backs were bleeding, bruised. They were chained. And, you know, if you were 
familiar, if you've done any study at all, prisons at this time, particularly if it was a Roman prison, were absolutely the worst things that you could possibly experience. Uh, a lot of times, and there's some historians that believe that uh, particularly in Rome, where Paul was in prison, that um, the, the prisons were actually part of the underground sewage system that ran underneath the city. And there were times, now I don't, we don't know this exactly for the Apostle Paul, but there were times, and it's recorded in history, that prisoners were put in these prisons and uh, they would be ankle deep, knee deep in human waste while they were in jail. Now you can imagine the smell, the horror of this, it's dark, it's dank. And uh, so my point is this, I would say this was a tough time for Paul and Silas, wouldn't you? Now, and can you imagine if it had been some of us, uh, you know, if it, we were reading about ourselves in the book of Acts, it would say, but at midnight, you and somebody else were in the jail and you were saying, Paul, I thought if we were doing the will of God, everything went right. I thought everything worked out on our behalf. I thought everything worked out you know, for our, our, our good and, 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 you know, that everything ought to be going smooth. So, Paul, you must have missed God somewhere. Where have you, are you in sin, Paul? Have you been drinking on the side or sleeping around or something? Because you, you have messed up somewhere, Paul, in order for us to be in this kind of situation. Well, you need to understand something that you end up, you can be right smack in the middle of the will of God and end up in a situation like this. So I think you can identify and understand with me and agree with me that Paul and Silas were in a bad time. They were in a tough time. But instead of murmuring, complaining, and griping about the time and what was going on in their life, what they decided to do was have a prayer and praise session. It says that, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God. Now, and I love this next phrase. And the prisoners were listening to them. They weren't quiet about it either. They weren't like, you know, we might offend these other prisoners, so let's keep it under our breath a little bit. Let's not get too loud with this. No, they didn't care. They praised and prayed, and the other prisoners heard them, verse 26, suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. Now notice this, pay attention to the details. Not just Paul and Silas's prison door got open, all the doors got open and everyone's chains were loosed. Now, what's my point in all this? If you want God to come into your prison cell of bad circumstances, then you must resist the temptation to grumble, murmur, and complain. You have to make the decision to pray and praise God in the middle of that. Now, here's what happens. When you begin to praise God in the middle of a situation like that, God begins to work to bring you out. Now, it might not be as dramatic as this situation, but God, as we sang earlier, God is working behind the scenes, even if it looks like he's not working. Just keep 
praising Him until your deliverance shows up. All right? Here's, here's something Brother Copeland said that I love. He said this, when you pray, you lay hold of things. You know, Mark eleven twenty four 24, that whosoever, or, or that when we pray, we believe that we receive and then we have. So we lay hold of things when we pray. But he said this, when you praise, you win battles. And there's a difference. You know, there's a difference between praying the prayer of faith, laying hold of your healing and, and staying in the fight and praising your way till it manifests. There's a difference. And praise is what wins the battles. I heard this said that praise takes us, write this down, to the other side of the opposition. Whatever opposition you're facing at the moment, if you will stay in praise, praise will carry you, transport you to the other side of that opposition. It's, it's are we willing to stay with it until we get there? And as I said, praise and worship is the atmosphere of heaven. When you step into praise, you've stepped over into the atmosphere of heaven and you've allowed heaven to step over into your situation. Hallelujah. Now, if you don't get anything else out of what I've said today, get this next phrase, and that is this. There is nothing you cannot praise your way out of. There is nothing, not one thing, that you cannot praise your way out of. And then conversely, there's nothing that you cannot praise your way into. If God has called you into something, you can praise your way into that just like you can praise your way out of the negative. So there is nothing you cannot praise your way out of. I want us to get that down on the inside of us. There's not one need, not one sickness, not one problem, not anything that we face that we cannot praise our way out of. Now, here's why this is so, so very important. Um, when you are worried and anxious about a situation, what that does is keeps your focus on the situation, the need, the crisis, whatever it is. When you begin to praise and worship, it moves your focus off of the situation, off of the circumstances, and over on God. Okay? Let me share a quick story uh, that I've heard, and uh, it'll help you understand this. Brother Smith Wigglesworth, who you may be familiar with, he was an English uh, minister at the first part of the 20th century. He, he was born in 1880-something and uh, got saved and ended up ministering for the Lord. And so there was a woman in the town where he was living in, in England that uh, came down with cancer. She got cancer uh, really bad. She was literally on her deathbed, moments away from passing away. And so they, they called Brother Wigglesworth to come and pray for her. And so he went and, and was in the room and there were several other ministers that were there with him and they gathered around this woman's bed. And, and uh, each of the other ministers went and began to pray. Now here's what they began to pray they prayed things like, Lord, comfort her family. Give her husband peace as she gets ready to go home to be with the Lord. 
And so all the rest of the ministers began to pray prayers like that. Well, when it came around to Brother Wigglesworth, he prayed, commanded the woman to be healed. The cancer left and she got healed and got up. And they came to Brothers Wigglesworth and they said, what's the difference? What, what, what made the difference? Why is it that our prayers didn't get answered and yours did? And he said, it's really very simple. He said, as you were praying, you were looking at the woman dying. He said, as I was praying, I was looking at Jesus and saw her alive. Amen? So we praise God in the good times. We praise him in the bad times. Here's number three, quickly. We praise him in the routine in-between times when nothing's going on. You know, we have times like that. We have seasons like that where things are okay. Listen, don't take the foot off the gas even because things are okay. All right? Praise him in the routine in-between times. Often the normal days of our lives can be the hardest to praise the Lord because there's nothing particular to draw our attention to him. Okay? I love this verse, Psalm 118, verse 24. You know this. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. What day is he talking about? What day is that? What day of the week is this day? <laughs> Every day. When you wake up, it's this day. You know, tomorrow when you get up, it's going to be this day. Okay, so what is he saying? You need to rejoice, be glad, and be thankful, and praise God in the day, the moment, that, that day that you're in, because it is the day the Lord has made. All right, David praised the Lord all the time, even when things were boring and mundane. He kept that up. He kept it up. And you're going to have to stir yourself sometimes. There are going to be times when you don't, again, feel like praising him or you know, it's just there's nothing really going on. And so we kind of let, uh, we want to coast spiritually. All right. Well, that's not the time that coast to coast. Okay. Now, here's the last thing. Last number four. We praise him in the good times, the bad times, in the mundane times. And number four, in public and in private. We praise him in public and in private. Now, here's what I love about you guys, okay? Listen to this carefully. When you prepare in private for a public praise, you don't need a worship leader to make you feel like praising God. Now, I know, okay? Listen, I'm smart enough to know that in a larger group of people, you got people at all different places. So there's nothing wrong with someone on the platform encouraging, you know, and exhorting people to praise God. That's for the people that uh, uh, need that kind of help. It's not for everybody, though. It shouldn't be for everybody. Because when you have prepared your heart, listen, our time of praise and worship ought not be just Sunday morning at the beginning of the service, okay? There is a place for worship leaders in our corporate worship, but it is not their job to make you feel good enough to tell your heavenly Father how good he is. Hallelujah. Okay. See, when you talk to your soul all week, you don't need anyone to get your attention and stir you up on Sunday. Well, praise the Lord. I'll just keep looking right here. All right. 
That's why Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know why? Because I get to gather with some other people who've been praising God, just like I've been praising God all week. And so we're going to come together and we're going to have a big time in the presence of God. Okay? Not, I need somebody to pump me up. I've been having a rough week. I need somebody. And listen, there are times when we need that. But I'm telling you, it ought not be every Sunday. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay? All right, let me say this to you. Be careful not to come expecting something great in your public praise and worship if you haven't had an individual meeting with God first. Let me say that again. Be careful not to come expecting something great in your public praise and worship if you haven't had an individual meeting with God first. Praise in your private life is what brings power and authority to your public experience. You know, as a pastor throughout the years, I can tell when people uh, are, are doing it privately because when they show up, it's different in, in, in public. Hallelujah. All right, let's wrap this up. I can tell y'all are just so thrilled about this. Psalm 34, I'm just teasing. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 6, just kind of sums up what we've been saying. David said this, I'll bless the Lord sometimes. How many, when? I'll bless the Lord. How often? His praise shall every now and then be in my mouth. Continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. Verse six, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Now, if we're not mindful, we'll begin to think that God did this stuff for David because he was David the king or David the shepherd or David who slew Goliath. No, God did those things that he just listed here for him because he made the decision in verses 1 and 2 that we're going to lay the foundation for his life. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm going to just say this to you. Um, if you want God to be able to show up in your situation, do what David did. Keep praise continually in your mouth. Write this down, please. Last thing. The exit road out of your problems is paved with praise and worship. The exit road out of your problems is paved with praise and worship. Now, I want to... I'm going to share a story real quick, but I, I want to just say this. When things are not working right, check to see if you're current in your praise and worship. You know, Brother Hagin used to say this, that the Lord told him, illustrated it to him like this. He saw one of those old scales, you know, that has the things on either side. And he said, a lot of believers, their prayer life is, has this side weighed down, but their praise and worship side has nothing in it. So it, the prayer requests far outweigh the praise and worship. And so what God said is, 
you'll begin to receive the manifestations to your prayers when this side of the scale outweighs this side of the scale. When your praise and your worship outweigh your request. So when things are not working right, check and see if you're current in praise and worship. It could be an indication that you are behind in that arena. Now, let me share this quick testimony with you. It's not my own, but it's a story that I heard back in the early part of the 20th century or latter part of the 19th century into the 20th century. Tuberculosis was a huge, huge problem. There was no cure. There was no uh, you know, inoculation that you could get to protect, a vaccine that you could get to protect you from TB. And so TB was very rampant. Uh, particularly out west and in some of those parts of the country. And if you got tuberculosis, it was a death sentence. You basically, you know, were at some point going to die. And so there was a minister that um, he wasn't all that old. He was a, you know, fairly young man. And uh, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis. And so as he traveled and as he ministered, every church he would go to, he would ask the congregation, please, if you think about me, please pray for me. Please pray for my healing. And so, and even, you know, please just think about me and pray for me. And he went from church to church to church and, and did this where, you know, there probably were thousands of people that were praying for him. He was an evangelist. And so uh, his condition worsened and finally got to the point where he was bedridden. And he went to stay at his in-law's house, and it was out in the country. And uh, so he was in the bedroom, and he was bedridden by this time, and, you know, pretty much was on his way out. And so he, he said, you know what? He got to thinking, and he said, you know what? If it was prayer that was going to raise me up with all the people that I've asked to pray for me, Surely it would have had an effect by now. And so he was laying there and he began to think about that. And he said, maybe there's something that I'm missing out on. And, and it actually, it was the praise cure. And so this man, as he was laying in his bed, the windows were open and it was summertime. He, was, he could see that there was a group of trees out in the yard, uh, you know, maybe 50 yards away from the house where he was. And he, he said, I would love to just be able to go and sit outside underneath those trees. So he prayed and he said, Lord, would you please give me enough strength to where I can make it outside and lay underneath those trees? So he did and he crawled his way. His, his wife and his mother-in-law were out back doing something behind the house. And so he crawled his way out the front of the house and he got there underneath that tree and he, he just just began to do this. He, and he could just talk in a whisper. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. I praise you, Father, for my healing. I praise you, Father, for healing me. And he just kept on and kept on and kept on. And he noticed after he did it for a while, his strength began to build. And he, before long, he was able to say it in a normal tone. And he kept on. I don't know how long it took, maybe, you know, a few hours, but he just kept on and kept on till finally they could hear him a mile away 
screaming at the top of his lungs, standing up, healed and whole on his feet, praising God and thanking God for his healing. And, and so what's my point? My point is this, that you might not have a whole lot of strength right now, but praise God with the strength that you have and let God begin to move on your behalf and let that exit road get paved with your praise and let it take you out of the situation that you're in. I'm convinced that maybe we're not getting more answers to our prayers because again, our, we're operating in a deficit on our praise and worship side. So I want to challenge you this week. Spend some time praising God. Praising God for the answer. Praising God for the victory. Praising God for your healing. Praising God that your needs are met. Whatever you need to praise God for, begin to praise Him and praise Him by faith. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're moving on my behalf by faith. I believe, Father, that my needs are met and I praise you for it. I praise you, Father, that you're moving in the lives of my, my family and my friends and my coworkers. And that's how you began to do that. And every time you think about it, let your mind go to praise. Let your mouth go to praise. And get your mind off of those circumstances. Get your mind off of the needs and put your mind and focus on what God is doing has done and shall do and begin to thank him in advance. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.